morning and welcome to the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. It's episode 96 and it's Friday the 26th of November. Today we're going to be looking all around your questions and hopefully providing the answers. So for that I'm joined by an expert panel, hopefully experts at the end of it anyway. So Aidan O'Kane, good morning, how are you? Morning, I'm very well Greg, yourself? I'm alright, thanks, good. yes, good. David, how are you doing? Very good, very good. Good, good and Martin? You. Yeah, good. Everything well with your your world at the moment? Yeah, excited to be here. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, for those who are listening on the podcast, they're the lucky ones, I think, because um, they won't get to see our faces. And, and, and for those that are watching, they'll probably understand it. There's not a problem with the lighting in the studio. We, in fact, do have various degrees of moustaches on our faces, and we'll we'll talk about why that is um, in, in a moment. But... Um, when we came and I said it kind of looks like the lounge of a 90s snooker club um, <laughs> with moustaches and, you know, waistcoats on. But, Aidan, it, it, you know, it, it is it is a good cause as to why we look so stupid, isn't it? it do you maybe want to explain to the listeners and, and watchers why? Yeah, so basically we've been um, taking part in Movember, um, which is, you know, a charity that helps with men's mental health. Um, and the course of that, effectively, what you're supposed to do is grow a moustache from the beginning of November um, and raise money over that time. We've set up a charity page to do that. Um, not just ourselves in the office who've done it, a number of the other chaps have been doing it as well to varying degrees of success, I would say. <laughs> yes. So we'll have, who else is doing it? I know Chris is doing it, Abbas is doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think Harry was going to do it, but then was told off from his girlfriend he wasn't allowed to do it. That's what I heard, Because yeah. you would look too silly, so yeah, there that's you right. go. Um, we don't obviously have anyone from our investment management team in this morning, but Martin, I know you've had a quick catch up with the, the Jeff Kastner, Chief Investment Officer, this morning. Uh, what, what what's Jeff talking about and looking at at the moment? Yeah, um, it was just just a quick chat, really. But I think Jeff simplified it for me uh, to understand it a bit more. But I think it's a, a mix, really, of what's going on. So I think across in China, it's good news with the People's Bank of China's reports um showing there's going to be some stimulus which is good yeah um europe not so good uh, austria and germany i think with their respective lockdowns uh, i think the netherlands holland as well there's lockdown going on there mm. and i think because of that they're seeing a bit of a sort of negative impact on on what's going on with that and then over in the united states um employment rates of shot up really high at the minute which is i think quite outstanding and um, which is really good positive news for over there as well but i think really that's just my take on it and like i say a, a simplified explanation i think what yourselves and what the listeners can do as well is definitely subscribe for the the morning markets uh, the daily sessions and get it from from the experts instead so jeff and chris george who nice you know, little plug in there to the morning markets as yeah. well, well which is which is never never going to hurt us, is it? So, look, gents, we, we obviously have a number of questions that have, have come in. We've we've looked at them a little bit to study some answers and, yeah. and provide them. But um, just just kind of before we, we, we dive into them, I just wanted to quickly, and I'll, apologies, I'll probably have to read some of this out, but this was from a viewer of, of, of last week's um, podcast and also that watched your introduction video, Martin, earlier in the week and really enjoyed it so straight down the camera for this one but judith judith and phil pern uh thank you very much for your comments because 
not only do you listen to all of the podcasts and, and the like, but you said you enjoy them and I even enjoyed that you find them amusing. So um, at least if anything, we're, we're funny yeah. uh, gentlemen. So funny looking. Um, just, just to quickly read it out. Hi there. Regarding this week's Do More With Your Money, uh, I would like to ask the following question. We'll go on to ask the question in a moment. But then it goes on to say, I forgot to say both my husband and I enjoy watching it weekly. Uh, it's very interesting, very informative, as some as well as sometimes it's amusing. So, um, thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Pern, um, and we'll thank we'll you. we'll probably start with a question uh, from from the couple there. So, if you're planning on drawing some money when you are fifty five, can you book the amount before your birthday? So let's say you're fifty four and nine months. You're three months away. Um, can you only request the money? at the point of your birthday or can you do it in advance um, well I'll take that firstly and what I would say is in the first instance it, with with ourselves on the platform yes you certainly can book that in um, so say you were coming up to your 55th birthday as, as this example is saying if you wanted a certain amount of money to be effectively a birthday gift to yourself on yep. that day um, you could speak to our teams at head office the drawdown team there and they'll make sure that the the sell down has been done and the cash is available for it to be dispersed on that day. Um, that's certainly the case with ourselves here at True Potential. I can't comment about other platforms in the industry. I know there's various different styles of doing things, but it's certainly a, a real string to our bow is the flexibility we allow people with their with their investments and ultimately their own money um, is the way I would take it. And I don't know if You've got anything else to say on that, Martin? Yeah, <coughs> I would. I would agree with that. Um, in essence, it's it's money that you've saved over your lifetime for your retirement. You know essentially what you're going to use it for. You'll have a, a an objective for taking that. So, why not have the facility to to take it on your fifty fifth birthday, mm-hmm. um, for the purpose that you want? And it is flexi access drawdown is the technical name. So that flexibility has to be there, really. And mm-hmm. I think that shows with true potential, we have that available and deliver that excellent customer service. So I think probably one important thing to say is that it's you can take as much as or as little as you like. So if you want to take the full 25% tax-free cash out, you've got that availability. But if you just want to take, you know, a couple of thousand pounds out of your investment or something like that, it's all there, it's all it's yeah, all easily I think, accessible. I think, I think that's kind of an overarching answer, isn't it, Aidan? Which yeah. is absolutely months in advance. You can book it in, you can have the cash ready and on your birthday you can receive yep. a nice birthday present. Yep. And it was your birthday just this week, Aidan, as it well. It was, so, yeah. You know, not quite 55, that's not next year, but <laughs> you're, nearly there, you're nearly there. But it's it's probably worth us kicking that one round for our, our listeners and, and, and viewers, which is, it's not mandatory that you turn 55 and raid your pension, put it all in the bank yeah. and you know, we we've covered this on many podcasts before, David, but Yeah, that's right. I think um it is something that um some of the financial advisors that I deal with on a day to day basis, they'll have clients speaking to them about um, you know, I'm I'm gonna be coming up and, and my plan is I'm going to take my tax free cash and, and you know, like we've said, that's absolutely fine. It's 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 your money, you can do what you want with it at that point. I think you should um consider though as to what you're using it for are you using you know are you using it for um the purposes of, of just taking it for the sake of it yeah or um is it for a specific purpose and the reason that you need to be asking that question is because you know you, you could potentially affect um your pension pot and your retirement mm. um plans if you were to take too much out and, and perhaps 
spend a little bit too much uh, to begin with. So just something to be aware of there, I think, as well. Yeah, I, I remember Jamie Sexton, who's one of our financial advisors here at True Potential, or, or one of the roles he does here anyways, and he always sort of starts with it. It's actually bad advice to turn 55 and take... To, you have to start with that mentality. Yeah. It's the wrong thing to do until it's the right thing to do. So, yeah, I think that that's important. Um, Mrs. Perns then added a, a, a second question, so... Because you are so nice, we'll absolutely answer it. Um, what is the minimum amount you can take as a monthly income, or is there no limit? Um, so, gents, I mean, let, 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 let's kick it off with, first of all, there's not, you know, a true yeah. potential. We don't believe in minimums and maximums and, and so on. So um, we don't say you must take £10,000 a month, for example, or you're not allowed anything else. And I... I know a lot of providers in the industry do have that because of poor technology mm -hmm. or it's very much an administration task yep. where they actually even charge you to take income. Yeah. So they're a bit like a cash point where you've got to, yep. you get charged to take your money out. Do you maybe just want to kick that one off, Aidan, which yeah. is some providers actually do not only have problems in paying you monthly mm -hmm. or an income, but they charge you to do so as well. Yeah, I think, you know, when... Um, pensions freedoms came about um, we were ahead of the curve technology wise straight away uh, which was fantastic to see but what we saw in the industry and one of the things you know in my 10 years of working a true potential that really surprised me was a simple administration task like setting up a client's drawdown they were charging an hourly rate to set these things up now you know one worker could take one hour as you know Greg one hour one worker could take three so where's the value in that for a client mm -hmm. when actually it's their money to receive anyway there's nothing that should be stopping them yeah. from doing that um, and what we subsequently saw actually was some of the other providers in the market were unable to keep up with the flexi access drawdown the ability to give clients their money on a regular basis as the sort of um, an amount of their choosing um, and it's really became one of those things that you've got to be aware of with the platform provider that you're going to. Do they give you the full suite of access to the, the mm. drawdown facilities that you may need? You know, you might need to take a lump sum at some point. You might want a regulars to you know, start at a certain point, finish at a certain point. These are all important things um, that are available through the true potential pension and the, the platform itself. Um, so really, yeah, that, that's what I would say in regards to that, Greg. Cool. I hope that answers those yeah. questions. So, um, next up, we've got a, a, qu a question from Sean. Um, I always find it funny we get questions. The names are always people that work at True Potential, but it's a, a different <laughs> Sean in this case, no doubt. So, do I have to stay with a workplace pension my employer picked, or can I transfer to a True Potential pension? That's a good question. It is a good question. <clears throat> um, if I just start it. Yep. Your workplace pension will stay where it is if it's an auto-enrolment, as an example. Um, if it's a group personal pension where your client's just contributing into it, you're more than welcome to move that onto the platform and take the client, take the employer contributions with that. Um, auto-enrolments, they have to stay in place unless you don't want that auto-enrolment scheme anymore. And then, yeah, you're more than welcome to move that onto the platform, have a personal arrangement, select your, you know, the TP portfolios as a as an option there. So um, in terms of the workplace pension, it certainly depends on what the product is, is probably what I would say in that instance. There's nothing stopping it from our side. 
Um, but you know, you might want to look what exactly the workplace pension product is in this particular scenario. Yeah, Martin, do you quickly want to just explain the difference between a a GPP, which is not a general practitioner, a group group personal pension, and a an auto enrolment, as Aidan's just mentioned there, just just for the listeners. Yeah, so the group personal pension scheme essentially is just the one scheme that's contributed in towards, uh, and from there you upon reaching retirement age will be able to draw the income from that. With the auto enrolment scheme, when you're employed, you should be automatically enrolled into the scheme. Um, usually it's it's one of those where it's normally a low cost, um, not a huge fund range yeah. type of scheme. So it's I'd say it's, I don't want to say a, a basic scheme, but a very simple, easy to use scheme, which again, the question is probably being asked because Sean is thinking, well, maybe I could explore further options with investments and things such as mm-hmm. that, which a personal pen- personal pension will allow you to do. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. so that's that's I'd say the key difference between the two schemes, yeah. but then also personal pension as well. So it's important to understand what type what of pension got. you've got first, yeah. isn't it? That's probably the main one there. The next two questions we've got coming in. This is from Paul and from Phil. Uh, thank you, gents, for the questions and. I'll probably group these together as, as, as almost one discussion point for us gentlemen, which is, from Paul, how much money in your pension pot would you need to live comfortably, assuming you've got no mortgage? And then Phil's kind of asked a, a similar question, which is, how much would a couple need between them to retire? Yeah. So probably this is just kicking around the idea of how much do you need, but obviously there's various degrees of what's comfortable to you, David, isn't comfortable to Martin. Yeah. So, let, let's kick this one round for a few minutes, gents. Yeah, exactly right. I think it's 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 probably important we group them together because it, the overarching thing here is is going to be, you know, um, you're planning for your retirement. You know, wh- at what point can I retire? You know, when can I finish work? Um, what do I need to have in the bank? Um, probably the other question that goes along with that, which which any um, person needs to consider, is you know, what does my comfortable level of income in retirement? look like what does it need to be what are my goals what are my objectives um now i, I did do a little bit of research on this so i've, I've got a couple of figures here which i'm, I'm just going to kind of share with with everyone so um looking at couples um, and you know i've looked at a couple of uh, various um kind of pe- uh, places to get the information from for this the general consensus is um around about eighteen thousand pounds per year is what's needed for essential um covering essential costs so your, mm. your, your household bills and and probably just you know uh, a little bit of discretionary spending for, for going out for a, for a meal or two a month uh, what have you so that's what's considered to be the the essential uh, number now comfortable for a couple uh, has worked <coughs> out around about twenty six thousand pounds per year um, so let's think about that in terms of you've got your two state pensions coming in at retirement age and that's going to provide you you know around about 18, 19,000 pounds per year. So to reach that comfortable level in retirement, you're gonna to need to have uh, somewhere or, or some way of drawing an extra 7,000 pounds to 8,000 pounds per year. Now that might come from another source of income. Perhaps you have a rental property or um, a defined benefit uh, occupational pension. It's gonna provide you with a guaranteed income. Uh, it might be that you're going to draw down from uh, your pension pot, yep. your personal pension, your mm-hmm. savings, things like that. And, and just to kind of finish off on that, the, the luxury uh, 
uh, level, if you like, was around £41,000 uh, per, per annum for a couple. Um, just to, to look at for a single person as well, um, for Essential, we're looking at about £13,000 per annum. So, you know, just a little bit over £1,000 per month is, is what you're going to be looking at. And, and I think all of these are, are taken in consideration. You don't have mortgage payments yeah. to make. Um, yeah. Again, for comfortable, you're looking at around about 19000 per annum. And uh, for a, a luxury uh, retirement, uh, so to speak, you're looking at around £31,000 per annum for a single person. So I think probably what I would say to, to bear in mind for this is if we take into consideration that comfortable level for a couple, which was £26,000 per annum, and as I mentioned, you're looking to, to draw or receive another uh, seven to £8,000 per annum on top of your state pensions, mm -hmm. If you think about that for a single person and you're looking to receive um, eight to £9,000 per annum for your state pension, you're going to need to find um, another ten pounds to £11,000 from other sources. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, you know, your you, you, uh, defined benefit pension or your personal pensions. And actually, with a bit of calculation from these figures, what it would look like um, to... to be at that comfortable level, um, you'd need to have, if you're a couple, um, £155,000 in your personal pensions and other savings to be able to um, be able to draw from that uh, you know, throughout your retirement to, mm. to maintain that comfortable level. Um, obviously, again, as we mentioned, for a single person, that's going to be higher, uh, and that's going to be um, around about £193,000 per annum. So, you know, a lot of figures there to just think about, but something to bear in mind, and I think that you've got to look at how you're planning uh, and what level of comfort, if you like, you're you're after in retirement as well. Yeah, I think that that's you know great um, information from you there, David. And I think also a strong suit again, a true potential in in the platform is for those of you who are using the client sites. There's goal setting tools on there, yeah. And one of the main options when you're looking at how you want your money to um, work for you over the time, you can either have it. Mark to be you want to hit a lump sum at a certain point or you want a retirement income at a certain point. Now, using those figures you've you've used there, David, you know, you could say I want 26K per annum or you might go for the 150K lump sum yeah. figure that you want to hit. But it's important that you outline those targets now, I think, mm, yeah. rather than getting to retirement. You know, we uh, we see this all the time in the, in the building. People get to retirement and... They don't know how much they can spend in a year, and actually, they're they've probably got more money to spend than they actually think, and they're they're quite scared of it, you know. And I think that's why it's important to you know constantly be looking at these things and just make yourself comfortable with the fact that you know you could, you're going to be all right if you if you keep on doing what you what you're doing and investing. And I think also you know <clears throat> just highlighting those figures, obviously they're very generalized for the UK as yeah. a whole. I think I just stress that you know. Those living in, you know, South Kensington would be very different than those living in South Hilton, as an example. You've just stole my joke there, because I was going to say, you know, where you're from in Sunderland, Dave, but, um, <laughs> you know, you might need a couple of shillings to make it into retirement, but if you're from, say, posher parts of the world like Martin, then, you yeah. know, you might need a lot more. And it, yeah. it, look, it, you're right, the technology's the big leveller for me, isn't it? It's, yeah. it? What's the point in having a pension? You know, it, it, it's to retire. Yeah. What's the point in retiring? It's to be comfortable or indeed live the luxury life of, you know, mm. I don't know what luxury you could have with £41,000. 
I'm sure many. Plenty of holidays, I think. Plenty of holidays, yeah. 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 yeah so I think look, I, isn't it? I think you're, you're dead right, Aidan, that the technology's the main thing. And for any existing client, set a goal. Yeah. Log in, set a goal, and then at least track it now and then to, to, to see where you're at. That's a, a real important one. Yeah, I think for me, just to sort of contribute to that is what I would suggest is save now for your retirement. The thing to do is to use the technology that you've got to set up the pension to set your goal log into your app with true potential to track it but use the impulsive feature as well when you've got some spare change even 10 pounds just kicking around put it in your pension because when you get to age 55 or beyond you'll thank your younger self yeah and you'll say i'm really glad i did it then because now i can retire more comfortably whatever that means to you yeah. so that that would be my top tip for the day for viewers yeah absolutely man thank you next up a question from john um i like this question because it's one that will probably have us all arguing about you know what is the answer so john's asked is it a good or bad idea to switch funds such as growth to defensive during times of volatility now <laughs> oh, this is i the saw age, that question when it came in this is the age-old question isn't it because it's kind of that you know you're in the let's say you know ev everyone's been through the airport and you've got the customs queue and you see that queue's moving a little bit quicker you jump in there and all of a sudden the guy at the front you know takes his coffee break mm. is it worth jumping queues or is it worth just staying in the queue you've picked and that that's always the analogy i think is look if you really your attitude to risk doesn't change every day no. or every week or even every month and We've got five band into true potential. Defensive, cautious, balanced, capital growth and aggressive. Really, they shouldn't change. Maybe annually. Mm. Yeah. You might have a different outlook. And obviously, we do client assessments at least once a year to make sure clients are invested. But let's take John's position. The market's, you know, volatile. David, would you, mm -hmm. would you be looking to check every day about jumping into that other queue in there? customs lines no i mean i'm i am one of these people that, that checks uh log, log into my app every day uh to to look at my pension and my isa uh and see how they're doing see how the the, the markets are doing um but no i think for me personally um you know my experience is i've got my attitude to risk as you've as you've said um unless my circumstances have changed drastically like my personal circumstances out with what's happening kind of outside of my personal circumstances I don't think it's the right thing to be, you're almost chasing, um, like you say, the, the queue uh, to, to get in the best queue. I don't think, for, for me personally, that's the right approach. Um, if you're a, a, a balanced investor, you know, the reason you're in a balanced portfolio um, and the, the portfolio is, is, is designed to deal with the external factors, that things that are happening in the market, and, and you've made a decision as to why you're, you're in that category, because yep. you can deal with a certain level of volatility, ups and downs in the market, uh, and that's why you, you've picked there. As you say, you know, it should be reviewed regularly. Um, it should be something that you're you're considering. Uh, but I think for me, overarchingly, um, you know, I, I would say um, I, I stick to kind of my, my attitude to risk. Yeah, and generally. I think just, just to jump across, Martin, obviously your head of compliance for Tree Potential Advisor Services, you look after over 700 directly regulated firms giving advice to consumers and if one of your advisors you noticed, you know, 
there's a bit of a dip in the market or a bit of a growth in the market if they were chopping and changing like that what would you be saying to them i think the the message that the fca themselves sent out the start of the pandemic was for advisors to reassure clients that <coughs> there may be circumstances where fund switch or even selling down into cash would be suitable for those clients but in reality the their overarching message was don't look to do it mm-hmm. because i think in terms of suitability if you consider a pension for example and obviously we're younger gentlemen in the room but it's over a longer term that you're looking at so yes there may be a market dip now which is quite a scary thing to look at for a number of clients who maybe see that huge decline and say i don't like the look of this but if you consider it's over the next 30 years or so then there's plenty of time to remain in even an aggressive fund with higher rates of volatility because then over that period it has the potential to regain what has been lost and certainly the the concern for advisors as well is a client who panics and wants to sell down into cash when the market's rebound missing out on potential growth from that situation as well which leaves them in a worse position so it's it's one of those where it gets a bit rough at times imagine you're on a cruise liner gets a bit rough at times but it'll steady off and you'll yeah. have a great time moving forward hopefully yeah, yeah well, apart from me being a cruise ship yeah but it depends where it is as well well apart from that if it's in if it's in barbados it might be quite nice but yeah, not, not not on rocky seas not rocky seas no. i think um you know ultimately volatility is part of the game you know we, we we've got to live with with that as a fact when we're investing in the markets and i think as a growth invest as a growth investor there should be an expectation that there will be an element of large volatility with what you're doing. But, you know, hold the line um, and, and you'll see, hopefully, the positives from that. And I think, you know, the, the prime example we, we've just talked about previously, but when the pandemic started, we did see some people move into cash. And it was actually, all in all, performance-wise, 2020 was, it was a very good year mm-hmm. for ourselves, you know. Yep. So a lot of people missed out on very positive growth for a... a, a, a a knee-jerk reaction is probably what I, what I would yeah. say in that yeah. scenario. Um, the other side of that is, you know, you're moving from portfolio to portfolio, you could miss out on those one, two days that were the best of the year, you know, that yeah. really saw the best growth. And, you know, they say, you know, it's not about time in the market, it's about time in the market, which we've said on this yeah, podcast many times before. It's a great, it's a great saying. It is it? a great it's, saying, yeah. It's, it's being in the market, isn't it? Not yeah. trying to, you know, time your run, because... By the time you've seen the drop, it's already happened. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're reacting to something that's happening. By the time you see the you know, market bounce back, yeah, you're investing. Afterwards. I, I so think probably just just one final point, Greg. Apologies, but um, that's what the investment management team are here for as well. Yeah. They're looking after these portfolios and making sure they're trying to reduce the volatility as much as possible um, and keep the gains for yourself. So, you know, that's why. Uh, ourselves in the room here, uh, hopefully yourselves at home invest in the true potential portfolios because we've got experts around the globe who can take these decisions on our behalf. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you, you're right and that's probably again another angle to look at the question. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Which is if we had Jeff or George or Paul or Chris in the room with us, um, probably what we'd be saying to them is it's these guys manage the volatility, not you as the end consumer. Yeah. yeah. A balanced portfolio will behave balanced overall and mm-hmm. you're a balanced consumer. 
let us ride out the you know the the, the market volatility. So good answer, Aidan. Thanks. Um, Aid has asked us a, a, a question, which is a proverbial tap in here. So he's done all the hard work, and you know he's took on three players and he's crossed it in in, in for us to <laughs> tap in at the back post, which is. How easy is it to transfer a cash ISA into stocks and shares ISA? Don't all I know, yeah. <laughs> chomp at the bit there. Um, I, guess, I guess I'll probably start on that one. It is very easy, Ed, uh, for, for you to do that. Um, we have the technology on our client sites. There's an option there, uh, transfer investment. You can put the information for your uh, cash ISA into that and you can choose the various true potential portfolios. It takes you over uh, about five screens. Um, simply just saying, you know, what do you want to invest in? Um, what portfolio you want to invest in? Are you wanting to set up a direct debit? You know, all these various things, then the terms and conditions, and then we'll start working from there. Now, if the cash ices uh, with the bank, which the, the majority of them will be, um, we'll get in touch with them using our electronic services. Uh, to transfer those across and you know they're generally uh, pretty good in that regard so yeah it's very easy to do and um, what I would suggest also is you know if you do log into the website and you are struggling to to maybe find that there's a number on there to get in touch with customer care or customer services and they'll be able to help you through that process also yeah it's probably worth pointing out as well Martin I'm, I'm looking at you as the Mr Compliance but you don't lose any tax treatment either, which is important. No, nothing like that. Uh, you still have your ISA allowance of £20,000. Um, and I think when you look at cash ISAs as well, in terms of inflation, they're going to struggle really to perform yep. against yep. inflation. Yep. So yep. I think for those considering it, it's certainly worth a look at a stocks and shares ISA as an alternative. And with the, the easy route that Aidan's described there, it's it's easy to set up and manage as well. Again, using using your app and logging in and, yeah. and keeping mm -hmm. track. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know we've done a a full podcast on cash versus stocks and shares products and and, yeah. and, and, and probably for any listeners, if you've got another forty five minutes spare, maybe go and listen to that one, Bob. Um, basically, it is easy, Aidan. Is that what you're saying? It's dead easy and online. Yeah, it's all online. It's all using the client sites. Uh, very straightforward to do. Um, obviously, if you do have a, a financial advisor, please speak to them. You c they can help you with it as well. Um, but yeah, very straightforward from our end. And we've got people who can help you through the process if needs be. Absolutely. Thank you. Next up, a question from Kevin. Um, this is going to put us on the edge of a cliff, this question, gents. Um, what are the advantages of an advisor when investing in an ISA or a pension? So obviously a true potential, we deal with 25% of the advisors in the UK, uh, but also we have a proposition that deals with consumers direct. So we can almost wear two hats with this one is, some cases you will need a financial advisor, that's when you're reaching, say, allowances and tax implications and, and so on. But let's, let's look at maybe the examples, first of all, where you may not need an advisor. What, what, what instances would you probably not maybe need I, I, I think when you're starting your financial journey, um, you know, say you're in your early 30s, it's probably a fair example when people start to save in their, their pensions and their ISA. These are very simple products to set up. You just need to know how much you're able to invest every yeah. month um, and, and stick to that really. And I think, you know, 
at that stage, it, it's no different than treating it like a savings account at, at your bank. You know, you're building up the assets for for your future life. And I think, as as you say, when future life events come around, that's when advice is really needed. Um, I also think um, for someone who is self-employed and they've got a lot of income, which you know they need to look at how they can put it into their pensions, into their ices. I always think it's great to have a chat with a financial advisor at that time um, to see how best to, to work with, with, with the self-employed arrangement. Um, but certainly, yeah, when, when you're coming into retirement, I think that's probably the key one we would all yeah. we would all say. But I don't know, Martin, you're probably the best one to talk about this one as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with what you're saying there. I think in terms of simple cash ISA to stocks and shares ISA, yeah. in that scenario, you don't necessarily need an advisor. But as someone who's got the badges, done the exams and passed the qualifications, it is a case of they are the experts mm-hmm. in this arena. Yeah. So when it comes to technical information or difficult advice to receive, speaking with an advisor is certainly something that I would recommend because you're going to an expert who's going to work out your CGT, capital gains, tax liability, and any other areas like that. That's their job, that's their bread and butter. So you would go to that person, but if you can do it yourself through technology, then it saves everyone time and is nice and easy for everyone. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, fully agree with that. I mean, I think, um, you know, quite succinctly put there, it's it, to me it's about kind of where you are in your, your life cycle, I suppose, which is as an early investor, um, you're probably just looking to build up your assets. Perhaps once you're heading towards retirement or at that point, you actually maybe do need to speak to someone to get a, 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 a more uh, concise picture of exactly what that's going to look like. As we mentioned earlier, what do you need in retirement? Mm. What levels are you looking at? And a financial advisor will, will help you with that. They'll help plan that out for you. So, yeah, I think, um, you know. I think I think for me, I always just give analogies, which is the, you know, anybody that's seen me on the podcasts before probably will laugh about them. But for me, I, I, I had an electrician around the house this week um, and it was to do a pretty mundane and simple task. But for me, it was dealing with, live wires it was dealing with you know earth wires and neutral wires and I don't understand that I'm not going to want to go and do it why because I could blow myself up I could you know do some damage that's irreversible yeah and that's always the mindset I'd say with financial advice is if you go and do that thing which could be taken say money that you've got in a tax-treated ISA and you move it into a general investment account you're mm. never going to get that, you know, you, you could do damage, which, you know, going over your lifetime allowance, there's lots of things in there which could have a big tax implication. Mm. And HMRC won't go, we see you've made a mistake there, we'll let you off. Doesn't happen. I always think when you, if you're not sure, yeah, yeah, just go for the help. And I think that's one of the great things we've certainly got lined up at True Potential is we offer both. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. Haven't, we haven't sort of, you know, gone down one route or the other so yeah my simple brain just thinks well in real life you you know you you get the man or you get the woman out to do the job that is qualified and skilled and yeah. able to do it and, yeah exactly right and yeah. sometimes you pay for it but actually you get that sort of almost it's peace assurance. of mind don't you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it is a, the, the guy came out and took me about like three minutes to do it but <laughs> Made me feel, you know, pretty pretty weak and pathetic, but what's new? Um, 
just getting on to the last question, gents, uh, or, or maybe two more left, but uh, this is from Pierre. Um, I'll just get on to the question, because I, I think this is a, a tricky, again, another one that might have us divided, but how much money should a child get and why? Well, that's all Pierre asked us. So I don't know if he's, you know, maybe got a, a child that's on the naughty step and thinking, do I cancel the pocket money? Or, yeah, I was going to say, how, yeah. how naughty is the child is, yeah. the, is the question, really, isn't it? Um, well, Aidan, you were a wild child, weren't you? You, you? Yeah, well, if my parents are watching, it's all of it. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, that's what I would say in regards to that. But, you know, it depends <laughs> on the relationship with your child, really, doesn't it? Um, it is, it, you know, it's one of these things that's, People don't just think about their retirement and how they're going to live. They think about how they're going to pass that money on and, and, and how best to give that to the children. Now, you know, I think probably it's just as good a question as that is, which is, you know, how much should you give to a child? It's also what products should we be leaving for the child? You know, you've got to make sure that are they in pension assets? Are they in ISA assets? What's the best one for them to, you know, receive? after after you know unfortunately your unfortunate demise so to speak um so yeah i mean i don't know if you guys have a, a certain amount that you would suggest to leave to a child strauss will probably say nothing really yeah, got yeah nothing fight yeah, for their own not. yeah exactly they need, to, they need to stand on their own too big. no i mean I'm, I'm i'm joking i don't have children but um I, I would say just just kind of looking at it from from when they're they are children and you're looking after them as a, as a parent um you know at school age and stuff for me, it's quite important. I think um, something that my mum and dad did with me was, um, you know, I got a bit of pocket money, you know, not a lot, but it started to teach me a little bit about how to manage my finances, how to manage money, mm. um, and that's actually served me well going into adulthood as well. Um, and you know, obviously, you've got products such as a junior ISA um, that you can uh, start your your children off with with investing uh, at a younger age. Um, and then, you know, quite rightly, as Aidan says, you know, once you get kind of to the other side of the uh, yeah. of the of the spectrum, there, um, it's looking at um, getting everything in order for um, inheritance and, and things like that as well. But yeah, for me, I think it's I think it's important to start reasonably early. One of the things that I find um, I still struggle to get my head around is that financial literacy is not taught at school, mm-hmm. um, and so for me that begins at home um that's that's where you need to make that start with with your children so um you know something i'll i'll certainly be thinking about uh when i do have have children i think the, the, the junior ISA points are a good one as well because we see a lot of them um invested on our platform now and when we spoke to people about you know what are you, what what's this for effectively what they're using them for now is university fees for mm, the child yes. when they get a bit older you know maybe hopefully a deposit for a house if they can with it you know so yeah. i think those products are you know if you've just had a child or you think you've got young children these products are very worthwhile things to get for them it's not just about what you're giving to them yeah. now as we were saying before it's not just about you know the money you have now it's about the money you're giving to yourself later this is money you're giving to your children later yeah. in a junior ISA or something yeah, like that so that's a good point the junior ISA is one of those products that's absolutely under the radar mm. you know it really is it, it almost half the allowance for a, say a five-year-old child into a tax-free ve- savings vehicle as to what an adult gets mm-hmm. now if if obviously you're in a position where you're able to save as a parent which i know sometimes isn't it as easy junior ice is a, a, a fantastic product yeah. yeah i think the uh, allowance is nine thousand yeah. pounds which 
increased exponentially. So yeah. previously it was around five eight, I think. Five something such as that. Yeah, it was yeah. it was certainly a lot lower. So nine thousand pounds each year available to save into a junior ice is a lot that's gonna benefit them moving forward for university fees yeah. and and other things such as that. But I, I totally agree with the financial literacy point as well. It's not something that's taught enough. So if you'd asked me when I was sixteen, how does a mortgage work? Or anything about a pension, I'd have absolutely yeah. no idea. Yeah, totally but agree. I'd know yeah. how. I'd like to think I'd know how to do some maths calculations, which I obviously can't do now. But one advert I'd seen on the TV was a new app where your child gets a card, but you can monitor everything through yeah. there. Yeah. Which again, I think is a great way to show how technology in the industry is teaching the younger generation how to manage the finances which obviously the education system right now doesn't have but it has to start at home which is mm. how i've learned how to manage finances as well and yourself yeah. and probably mm. yeah. everyone well, around this table again we've talked around this on podcasts but you can go online and you can just get into debt in a matter of seconds you know I, I yeah. especially say at this time of year when it's coming up to a you know the festive time and people are buying over the top gifts and so on and you know, you go online and it's Klarna and it's, you know, buy now, pay later, it's yeah. pay over six months. And you're thinking, I'm spending 100 quid. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Mm-hmm. If you can't do, don't go into debt for it. But totally in reverse for us to put even an advert on, you know, Christian, I think, mentioned this last week on the podcast. If he wants to advertise about a savings product, say, with true potential, the risk warnings, the, you know, the, the, the guidance we've got to put on there to put money into savings is then puts you off doing it because yeah. people will just think, well, I'm not going to bother because yeah. I'm almost mm-hmm. put off from doing it versus go on to, you know, ASOS now, buy something and spend 30 quid. Do you want to pay over six months? Well, yeah. people are just going to do that and put themselves into debt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so definitely. you're right, the education needs to be improved. But let's go back to Pierre's question because we've dodged that one well and truly. How much money should a child get and why? So David, you're saying nothing. No, nothing. Well, no, obviously. Given the answer I've, I've just said, um, I think um, enough for them to be able to manage. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, buy some sweets down the shop. But then also maybe say you're going to put some money in your piggy bank yeah. or, or what have you. And was, there was a, I, I, I can't remember, um, but there was a celebrity recently, and I want to say a basketballer, but I can't remember okay. who said his children are getting nothing. I can't remember who it was, but this is a guy who's like a billionaire. Yeah. Mm. And he said his children are getting none, no inheritance whatsoever. He wants them to do it on their own. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that was LeBron or someone like that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Big Shaq or someone like that. Yeah. Might have been Big Shaq, but not that I know anything about basketball. Well, gents, we've got one more question. Let's quickly fire this one off and... Uh, last but not least, this is a question from John. Um, what is the best way to find any forgotten pensions I may have elsewhere? So not down the back of the sofa or, you know, in the back of your wallet. But where, let's say somebody's had, you know, I think on average people have <coughs> nine employments in their life. So that could potentially be nine different pension schemes, as we yeah. mentioned earlier. You might also set up a pensions account direct and put a... A, a, a direct debit in there but where would you go and find these pensions yeah so i think um probably the, the starting point's got to got to be of course 
the internet, Google. Yeah. Um, that's where you'd go, and I believe there's um, a pension tracing service yep. yeah. that you can um, obviously uh, go go on the website. Uh, it's free of charge, so um, I believe it's it's just a case of probably putting your national insurance details and your personal details in, and then um, obviously there's there's uh, you know the the team behind that will will look at that for you or or try and find the pensions for you as well. Um, I think obviously aside from that, you know if you know who you've worked with previously, perhaps if it's a, wor- a workplace pension you're looking to trace, uh, it's it's getting in touch with um, your previous employer. Uh, to try and find the details. I know there. David Naden, you, you, you gents are helping a lot of clients at the moment with reviewing their defined benefit pension, yeah. which yeah. is quite quite important. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to mention <coughs> the, the pension tracing service, you know, we've had clients use that and discover that they've got a defined benefit occupation <coughs> pension um, that they previously might not have realised they had mm-hmm. or... Certainly, they, they might have realised they had it, but when it comes to once they've done the pension tracing and they've got their, um, you know, their transfer value, the cash claim transfer value, the thing that they've surprised them the most is is how valuable some of these assets are. Mm-hmm. We've seen people, you know, f- find a pension on the pension tracing service was an occupational scheme, and it's life changing amounts of money that they've had, and there's. Lots of cases where these are still out there. You know, I think yeah. the, there's the, the probably the vast majority are still out there in the ether. You know, mm-hmm. where they they need to be consolidated and and kept in one place. And I think, you know, even though even we're talking about the occupational pensions here, they'll have you might have small other company pots that have built up. They they they're still valuable to get into your own personal arrangement and get yeah. into your own um, structure. Because at the end of the day. If you don't take it, the company will just take it back. Well, it's your money, isn't it's it? It's your money, yeah. exactly, yeah. I, yeah. I, I had a just under £3,000 pension. I was able to use a tracing system. I had to dig in to get it. It took a, a while. Um, it was probably about three or four years after joining True Potential, mm-hmm. so it did take me a while to, to even really bother about it. But yeah. the good thing is I've got that £3,000 now invested with True Potential, but the growth on that's been phenomenal since... Yeah. Mm. So I, you know, I always think people say, well, it's only the it, only three thousand pounds. You know, over over a period of time, that's going to grow. And yeah. I always think it's better in my pot than somebody else's. Oh yeah. So Google's the answer, David. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> well, we've answered all the questions. Well, we've gave answers to all the questions. I don't know if we've answered them all, but um, thank you, gents. Very very helpful today, and you know, hopefully, all of our viewers enjoyed that as well. Before. Before we go into the closing comments, I think just a quick one for me. I wanted to make an apology on last week's podcast. I made an error. Oh. Um, when Christian Gardner was talking about my driving, I said I drove like Daisy Duke and not Miss Daisy. So yeah. apparently there's a oh. big difference, which <clears throat> Daniel Harrison, who's one of our uh, avid <laughs> listeners and, and, and viewers of the podcast, also chief executive for uh, True Potential, noticed. And what he said is, apparently Daisy Duke is the lady that wears the little shorts, denim yeah. shorts, and That's yeah, right. and apparently she drives really fast. So <laughs> that would have bothered me. That, 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 <laughs> that was something I learned yesterday. So I'm not Miss, I'm not Daisy Duke. I'm actually Miss Daisy, which is hello, Miss Daisy. Yeah, the wrong Daisy. So thank you, gents. Um, so that's it, ladies and gents. Thank you all for your questions in advance. Uh, we hope that we got through them all for you. And just just a quick one. I know. You know, we, we started with a, a, a laugh and a joke about our moustaches and, and Aidan mentioned about what Movember means and 
it is a serious subject. So for any viewers out there, if you do want to get in touch, you just want to speak to either one of the chaps here on the, the podcast or anybody at True Potential, you can reach out to us. So our social media channels on the likes of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, they all have open messaging. So do get in touch. Or if you're a client with True Potential, log into your site and get in touch with a member of the team. We're always delighted to speak to any of our customers. That's it for today. Um, Thank you for listening. Uh, If you did enjoy today's session, please do remember to like and also subscribe. Thank you. Subscribing to the True Potential YouTube channel is quick and easy. Simply go to the channel on your desktop or through the YouTube app on your phone and click the subscribe button. You can then press the notification bell symbol if you wish to be notified as and when new videos are released. Doing this is a great way to keep yourself updated with market developments and personal finance insights. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed and we look forward to continuing to help you do more with your money.